It is Sunday night and it is that time of the week where I've been going for four or five years delivering to you a 20-minute roundup of the week. Gang, I know that I'm going to get a bit of flack and there will be a few people throwing their 20 cents worth like they have already, telling me to stick to real estate. Um, but I sort of am because this is not a political rant. This is not a rant about liberal versus labor, left versus right, conspiracy theory versus non-conspiracy theory, um, 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 whether this whole thing is bullshit or not. Hi to everyone that's coming in. Um, this, my friends, tonight is simply me doing a case study of someone by the name of Daniel Andrews, who, as far as I'm concerned, is using techniques that are being used by salespeople, by managers, by leaders, by executives in boardrooms. Um, and as Lisa says, everyone's entitled to their opinion. No one has a monopoly on the truth. And this is my opinion. Um, and what I'm going to share with you tonight is things that Daniel Andrews has been doing that when I go through them, you'll say, shit, that makes sense. And these are influencing techniques. These are uh, approaches that are used potentially by you and you don't realize it. And I want to just let everyone know that it's been inspired a lot by some of the literature that um, I've been reading and more importantly, some of the uh, news stories um, that have been out in the press in the last three days. One of those particularly came from the Australian newspaper. But by the way, everyone, can I just say to you, as someone that comes from the world of media, I can tell you that the Australian newspaper is where the uh, highest paid journalists are. Um, so you generally get better quality. But let's move on. I'm not going to sit here and use this next 25 minutes saying that the guy's a dickhead, which I know many of you have that thought in your head. And many of you have expressed that. But what I will say to you is that we've got to accept some basic facts. Fact number one is that there are over 800 people in Australia that have died of COVID-19. 716 approximately, I think it's 716, it could be 720, it could be 710, but it's over 700 are from Victoria. So if you actually just do the numbers and you work out where the population is in Australia, you can see that it is highly biased and there's a problem in Victoria. And the problem is um, the rest of Australia has had about 100 people die. Yet in Victoria, there's... 700 plus and at no point at no point have I heard the Premier Daniel Andrews say sorry I screwed up at no point has he said that 
And I've got to say to you that um, I think people would like, hi, Karen, hi to everyone coming in. I think people would, 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 would like, people like people taking ownership. People like people saying, sorry, I screwed up. But what I'm going to do is I'm doing my best to fix up this situation. So just bear with me. Now, before I go on, I want to be super clear. Unlike pancreatic cancer, which is a Rubik's Cube, COVID-19, it's pretty clear. Like between three or four things that people do, you suffocate the monster, if you think it's a monster. Besides that, the point is this, that we clearly know that you can actually do things like sanitize your hands, social distancing, what have you, and that already has seemed to have paid off in recent times. And I'm hoping, I'm hoping to everyone that's watching this in Victoria that you continue to go down the path of um, um, social distancing and everything else that people say you should do to help get that number down to a similar level to the rest of Australia. Fingers crossed, if that happens, maybe the pressure that is being put towards Daniel Andrews and the Labor government is going to mean that you're not going to have to wait for November to actually get the show back on the road. But what I want to share with you today in this rant is that there are so many things that this guy does that if you look at him, you think to yourself, man, this guy is an absolute professional, an absolute professional. So let me start off and start with the first one. If you notice what Daniel Andrews does is that he chooses only to communicate with media that is not going to actually challenge him. So what you'll notice is that very rarely is he uh, liaising in the world of media, which politicians have to do, which is part of their gig. Um, he chooses not to. He won't actually go on to any of the Sky News. He won't go on to 3AW. And he generally uses uh, media organizations that are extreme left organizations. And again, before you jump on, I want to be very clear, this is not a left-right liberal labor. I myself am a swinging voter. Many of you may be surprised. I would suggest that most people would think that I'm a diehard liberal person because of my connection to the real estate industry and maybe whatever other reason they think. I um, was brought up by uh, a family that were very staunch Labor people. I make my own decision on who I vote. And over the years of my life, I've actually voted for uh, different parties. So it has nothing to do with that. But what this guy, Daniel Andrews, does is choose very carefully. This is an orchestrated, orchestrated, highly intelligent, crafted approach where he will actually only liaise with the media of people that aren't going to really give him a hard time. And he uses social media, which allows him to get messages across. He's a very active user, higher than most premiers, to get his message across to people so he doesn't have to liaise in 
um, conflicting and conversations with people that put him to task. The next thing that you'll notice he does, which I mentioned earlier before, is he'll often say this, this is what the experts are telling me. So essentially, he puts himself in a situation where the people that are listening to him are going to say, hang on a second, but I'm not an expert, so this guy's right, because he's saying, this is what the experts are telling me. And again, this is a technique used a lot in the world of business, where they say, hey, this is not my opinion, this is what the experts are saying, right? Uh, the only problem, of course, is often when he says this, he doesn't actually identify what expert has said what for what issue, right? Super smart, very smart, okay? The next thing is that he actually often brings a lot of people to these press conferences, and what he does is that way he can deflect him actually having to engage and say, hey, yeah, talk to that person, right? And again, this is something, look, I learned that in the world of business and what they'll often do, an executive will bring up his team with him and what actually happens is the team or a team member um, can actually be uh, um, uh, um, hit by the bus um, and not the person themselves that oversees those executives. Very, very interesting strategy, but one that I've been exposed to in all my life, and I've often seen a senior executive keep a job for 15, 20 years by simply having other people that actually have to uh, take responsibility for issues that were still under the watch. And I mean, for God's sake, like I heard him say the other day, who, who was the person that recommended from your government that we should be in a lockdown for 22 out of the 24 hours. And he turned around and his response was, I can't recall. Now, seriously, like, I mean, this is a major decision to have a whole city be inside their home for 22 out of 24 hours. You would know who said do that and you would say that's the person but he said I can't recall you would have recalled that because that's a big issue that's a damn big issue so you don't say to people I don't recall that you can say to people I don't recall when it's a small issue that's trivial not one that is going to put millions of people inside their house for 95 percent of the day, 95%. Well, what's 22 out of 24? It's close to that, right? So Steve says he's got an MBA. So the guy's not dumb, right? So that's the next thing. The next thing is he, he and by the way, many of you may not know this, he was the health minister before he was the premier, which says to me, he should really understand how that department works. And part of the problem, of course, has been, you know, uh, tracking and tracing, which falls under the health department. And you would think to himself, he would have a pretty good understanding of where the stuff-ups are there. Hey, again, please understand, all I'm doing here is saying, hey, he's probably doing some right actions right now and he wants to come good. I'm sure that he doesn't have um, 
a personality that he wants to destroy people's lives. But what's very, very clear is that this guy is incapable to actually do the role of facing a crisis. Because if he hadn't, you think about it, why isn't Victoria like the rest of Australia? It has been under his watch. And it would be good, it would be good if he turned around and said, hey, listen, the buck stops with me. I screwed up, but I'm trying to make good because I don't like the fact that we've got 720 out of the 820 that have died coming from an area that I'm responsible for, right? So other kinds of things that I notice that he's um, really, really good at is um, he says this. This is another thing that I've noticed he says. I have not been briefed on that yet. So if you listen to his press conferences, I have not been briefed on that yet. And that's not once he says that. That is a regular thing. I haven't been briefed on that. So what that says to me is, hey, it's all good. I'm not going to confront you because um, I'm sure we know this. It's just that I haven't been briefed on that. Well, man, you should be briefed on it. It is your job. You should know it. You have taken that role. And when taking that role, when you accept that role, you say, hey, I should know this stuff, right? Anyway, let me move on. He claims he can't recall. He can't recall. So, guys and girls, I've got to tell you, the guy's been the health minister. He should know all of that. He's a master of using social media. He's a master of referring, saying, this is what the experts are telling us. And Susan, can you please do me a favour? Can you please do me a favour? Can you put a link to the petition, the petition that is being used by the real estate industry, which I believe is the only really true legal petition that's going to get any cut through. I shared it the other day on my Instagram, but I'd like to share it to all because um, it's only going to help if uh, you were to sign that petition. Um, I still to this day can't work out. I still to this day can't work out how uh, COVID-19 has got a probability of being higher risk by a real estate agent taking a single individual to see a property inside to sanitize, to do social distancing and allow that person who potentially has to leave their house because they've sold and needs to be into another home, I still can't see how that is higher risk than people going to Woolworths and Coles. I can't see that. So what I'm hoping is going to happen over the next couple of weeks is that if the infection rate is going to keep going down and if the Real Estate Institute of Victoria puts a strong punch in their approach that the government is going to turn around and say, hey, I get it. Open for inspections, dumb idea. 
auctions with lots of people on their dumb idea. But if we can get one person to walk in to see a house and allow that person to move into their house if they like it because it's an essential service, it would be good to know that that might not have to wait till November or whenever the proposed date. So someone has actually, I think, just shared the actual petition. So, gang, um, I've got to say to you that um, a couple of the things that I just covered there is um, his deflection tactics, number one. He's, um, hey, this is what the experts are telling me. The fact that he chooses who to speak to and that way controls his narrative. Um, the fact that um, he often will not commit to saying something but simply say, hey, I haven't been briefed on that. I haven't been briefed on it. These are all things that are intelligently orchestrated um, and uh, fundamentally he... Um, I mean, I was really confused, to be quite honest with you, back in May or April, I think it was, when he was very, very black and white. He says, weddings, funerals, no Anzac Day services. But when it came up to the Black Lives March, he sort of tiptoed. He sort of tiptoed around it, right? And that was at the start of the week. By the end of the week, he sort of said, or his government turned around and said, hey, look, you know, there are other ways you can protest, but, you know, he did clearly send an implied message that you won't get arrested going, right? And I think it's very, very clear on what side of politics he is, and he's very, very ingrained in the far left. Again, not about far left, far right, but I think it is important to know that um, the packaging might be polished enough that it actually gets a few people to think, hey, yeah, look, we've got to do this. But I think at the end of the day, when you pull out the packaging, when you pull out the speeches, when you actually have a look at how intelligently he goes about it, you'll begin to realise that this guy knows what he's doing in terms of being a political animal. He's good, no question about it. For me, the issue is this. He does need, it would be nice, it would be nice to actually express a black and white, hey, listen, we screwed up. We didn't give these people proper gear at the time in quarantine. We didn't train them. We got people that weren't at the level to do it. And because we did all of those things, you know what happened? We had a problem. The virus went from one person at the hotel to another person and then it went like wildfire. Yes, that was wrong. But we're trying to do the right thing now. And the real issue, of course, that we all face as a society and as a country on this planet is this. It's the term called sunken costs. And I'm going to leave you on this. And sunken costs is this concept. You see, 
sometimes when you believe in something and you've gone down an approach and you've banked on it and you have mentally, commercially, emotionally thought, this is the right way. What actually happens is it's really hard to leave that way because what you're doing is then saying it was wrong. What we did was wrong. We may have gone too hard. And I've got to say to you, this is not just the Daniel Andrews things. This is potentially something that the world has got. And that is that knowing what you know today about COVID-19, knowing what we know about who's vulnerable, how many people die, maybe the whole philosophy and approach that we had towards this was not correct. However, the problem lies is that it's difficult to go back. It requires courage. It requires vulnerability. It requires you being able to say, guess what? That approach was not right. This is our new approach. So, by the way, this is what gamblers do as well. Gamblers will sit on a poker machine and they'll just play and play and play and they'll keep playing because they've got what is called sunken cost. Sunken cost is that, hey, man, I've already put 50 grand into this machine, right? I'm not going to leave now because sooner or later it's going to pay off. And I believe in this machine and um, I'm just too far into this machine, right? So, gang, that's the concept of sunken costs. And there's a possibility that as a society, as a group of people on this planet that were hit with something that had no template, actually had no blueprint, that there is a possibility that we've gone too far. But I'm a solution-focused person, and what I'd like to suggest is what have you got control of at the moment? You've got control over a number of things. One of those is to contact the Real Estate Institute of Victoria, uh, sign a petition. You also have control over the fact that even though many of you are in stage four, stage three lockdowns, you have got control over a few things. You can still communicate with people over the phone. You can still do your exercises, go get your push-up bars. You see behind me, you've got your TRX uh, bands. You could be doing that. Get yourself a yoga mat. Oh, by the way, everyone, if you haven't worked that out, I'm sort of getting a little bit obsessed with Bikram yoga. Now, can I just tell you, and it's not to do with the physical side of Bikram yoga. I appear now 15 classes in, five weeks, six weeks doing it. I have seen definite benefits that help me outside the yoga room. The yoga room is 40 degrees, it's hot, it's painful. Even after 10 minutes, it's painful. But I tell you what actually happens, it's outside of the yoga room. The ability to endure more, more pain and more suffering while you're doing your physical activity in 40 degrees heat allows you to actually face things in day to day even with more clarity. And that, my friends, is one of the gifts that's come out of COVID-19. It's called COVID clarity. It is something that I actually got myself 
which was called Cancer Clarity. Cancer Clarity happens when you have time to yourself because you're unwell and you stay home as you recover. And during that time, you rewrite your agreement with reality. You start with a reset button and say, hey, this wasn't working in my life. This was problematic. I want to fix this. And what happens is you've got time to do it because you're not in your normal day routine of operations. So I'm really hoping for those that do have the time that you take advantage of COVID clarity and you rewrite your agreement with reality and you sort yourself out. That's a great thing. Fitness, I've got to tell you. I've used this period this year during coronavirus, no traveling, to put time and energy into my health and fitness. And I've got to tell you, I'm on the verge of being as healthy and as fit as I was prior, prior to uh, cancer, or the two cancers I've had in the last few years and the treatment that I've had with it. And, um, you know, that involves me doing, you know, maybe three Bikram classes a week. I run three to four times a week. I do weights three to four times a week. Um, I'm eating cleaner and better than ever. I'm sleeping better than ever. So you want to talk about, you know, some of the uh, good things, the silver linings. Man, I've got to tell you, some of the best gifts in life come badly wrapped. And for me, it has been COVID-19. Guys and girls signing off. Stay strong. And remember, the comeback's always bigger than the setback. But the thing is, you've got to work on yourself, for yourself, by yourself. If anyone's going through a hard time right now, I'm letting you know we are available. We are available to speak to you. You contact us during the week, we're available to speak to you. We care.